This is Two Wheels to Nowhere by Angus Anderson, episode one. Here we are at the beginning. The beginning of a quarter year, 14,000 mile motorcycle adventure. Not by a South American revolutionary or a schizophrenic philosopher author, but by me, an unremarkable guy in his late 20s with an audio recorder. This trip is both an introduction to many new Americas and an escape from an America I knew too well. Unlike more iconic motorcycle trips, this is a story with as many protagonists as there are characters. My bike is much of a way of sharing ideas as a mode of transport. My name's Abraham Barlow. Sina May Parr. My name's Bobby Shore. My name's Jan Deberard. I'm Bob McBride. My name is Neelam Patel. It's Thomas Smith. And I'm a park ranger. Crisis counselor for the Chicago Rape Crisis Hotline. Full-time farmer. Public policy and communications professional. I'm a spambassador. Right now I'm working, I don't know what to call it, just plain laborer, I guess. We are in downtown Dover, Delaware. Red Boiling Springs, Tennessee. The center of Tuftonboro, New Hampshire. Downtown Detroit, baby. Colorado City, Arizona. We're in Athens, Georgia. Pocahontas County, West Virginia. Ah, uh, you're in. In, uh, at the Curlew Valley, and you're just a couple miles north of Stone, Idaho. If you told me you knew what you wanted to do in high school, or college, or now as an adult, I would be stunned by your certainty. It's something I've never had. Upon graduating from college with a history degree, I traveled from Portland, Oregon to Chicago, Illinois, telemarketing, framing walls, working at trade shows, and editing video for a modeling agency. After a year of floating around like plankton, I idly responded to a Craigslist job opportunity in San Francisco, and a week later, was working at an advertising agency and sleeping on a filthy futon in a third-rate concert venue. I've always been drawn to the big change, the spontaneous adventure, and this was one I couldn't turn down. Kind of like working for Satan, but with a lower salary and more ironic cachet. And so, my life in advertising and radio has gotten me to this I literally came here trying to escape the big city and bought land just to camp on. And I was part of a husband and wife radio production team. My ex-husband was one of the creators of the Motel 6 campaign for Tom Baudet. And we won a lot of awards for the commercials that he produced. And those awards enabled us to buy the land in New Mexico and enabled us to buy the pie shop when it was for sale. It was a defunct trading post with no pie. And so it was either go back to Dallas in six figures and stress, or come to Pie Town and just hope it works. There have been many times this didn't pay the bills. So you have to go out and find other work and do other things and then come back when you have a little stash of cash to throw at it. Many, many, many hours I have stood here at this pie table questioning my decision. But it's paying off now, one slice at a time. Name, Kathy. Age, 50-ish. Occupation, pie baker. Pie down the center of our universe. New Mexico, the Pacific side of the Continental Divide. Four years evaporated, and what started as a sarcastic joke had subtly evolved into a suffocating career in marketing. I'd never been depressed before, or chronically angry, or perpetually exhausted. Long hours in the corporate veal pen changed that. No amount of snarky intellectual detachment could erase a creeping sense that my life had degenerated into a pathetic conga line of advertisements for dog food, lottery tickets, and cheap gin. 
Most of the time I was at work. Lots of evenings. Too many weekends. Colleagues worked more, but where I pitied them, I had contempt for myself. Contempt for losing the confidence to embark on the next adventure. Late nights were dedicated to futile efforts at stretching the tension out of my muscles, or bicycling a giant loop around the fog-shrouded city, the damp emptiness feeling like another planet, another person's life. I sound like some kind of guy rolled up in the hospital with three days left, but uh, don't chase the money. The money's gone. You know, you see kids these days, I gotta have this, and I gotta have this, and I gotta... And I figured out over the last five, 10 years, it's not about the money. It's just what you do while you're here. I could be working right now on overtime, like, screw that, I don't need that money, you know? So, you could give me money right now. Yeah. <laughs> See? <laughs> but I'm trying, I've always told them when they go to college, or when you get a job, don't chase the money. Do something you're happy doing. That's all that matters. You're gonna die. So, uh, I hate people that's job scared. They're scared to speak. I might lose my job. They don't care about you, man. You're providing them a service. They're paying you for it. They'll replace you tomorrow. And I've seen so many people. I grew up in a mill town that wasted their whole life sitting in that mill. Yeah, just wasted it. And I told somebody, I said, I would hate to know. I've worked there 40 years. I have nothing and just see, man. That's pretty much it for me, man. Just live every day. Have a blast, you know, within reason. Not like when I was 19 or 20, but I'm Marty Robertson, ages 43. I'm a field generator service technician. We're in Great Falls, South Carolina. It's an understatement to say that I was concerned about debt or failure or blowing up a career bridge that I was only starting to cross and that I suspected could not be rebuilt. Intellectually, I didn't value a career or salary, but at the same time, I've never thought of myself as marketable, type A, or whatever the hell makes you succeed in the shark tank of our economy. That's why I'd clung to advertising long after the adventure had turned into drudgery, long after my joke on the industry had turned into the industry's joke on me. Corporate work was like an IV, dripping the morphine of financial security into my veins, while its side effects killed the energy and spontaneity I valued. I've recently realized that I'm pretty much cut out to be an artist type. I, I don't want to sound too pretentious here, but I think that's just something I've realized sort of very matter-of-factly is that I'm not going to be happy working a corporate job or a business job or a sales job. And so I've realized, okay, I'm going to have to try to make a career of this if I want to live and, you know, make money. So I think that raises a lot of concerns of just like, well, how am I going to do this? How am I going to make this an actual career? Especially because I've spent so much time dawdling you kind of have to just try around until something opens up for you. And the biggest concern I think I have is, well, what if that never happens? There's a lot of really talented people out there who just have never had the right opportunity. And I don't know, maybe that's the story for every homeless guy living in Hollywood. I don't know, you know, it's like maybe he was exactly where I was 10 years ago, but just didn't have the right break. You have to start somewhere and you have to just take it job by job and realizing that's just the way it works. I just have to accept that. So yeah, the picture would be having enough job opportunities just coming to me because I'm in demand that I can pick when, where, what. Do I need money? Okay, I'll do this shitty job. Do I not need it? Okay, I don't need to work this month. I'll do something interesting. Having people that I can hang out with that I enjoy their company. That's just sort of a big 
fun holistic picture of and it's not much you know it's not it's not the big squad of bentleys in the you know solid gold house it's just having that job security and a good social network i think is enough for me to be like all right doing what i love randall marsh i'm 27 renaissance man <laughs> nice. uh, and i'm in santa monica be surprised how many people want to teach uh, poetry in the academy. It's a fun job, and there are a lot of qualified people out there, uh, many more qualified than me. And then now that the jobs are drying up a little more, it's uh, it's getting less and less likely that I'll be able to land something like that in the very near future. Worst case scenario is that I take a job just for the money, but that is demanding enough that I basically stop writing, which is sort of happened before. I used to work in an office and I'd stare at a computer all day and get home and staring at a computer to do some writing was the last thing I wanted to do. I, I think certain kinds of work can just really suck the motivation out of me, which has been kind of an alarming thing to find out about myself because I'd always sort of thought that, you know, whatever I would do, I would always be writing on the side. I think to a certain extent, because I've been writing poetry for so long, almost half my life now, that I feel like it's wrapped up in my identity and so to stop doing it would be kind of challenging to my sense of like who I am, you know, like sort of giving up a part of yourself that you like in favor of something maybe that you don't like um, would be kind of gut-wrenching. My name is uh, Nick Lance. I am 28 years old, and I'm a freelance copy editor, and hopefully someday a college professor. We are in Madison, Wisconsin. In the stuffy, cave-like gloom of the editorial suite, escape plans ricocheted around my head like popcorn in a hot skillet. It was time to tear out the IV, deprogram myself, run like hell. Should I seek employment on another continent? That would be an adventure, but I felt like I barely understood America, and I didn't want the next adventure to be quite as rootless, as short-lived. A desire had been growing in the shadows of my consciousness over the past few years, but I couldn't pin it down. All I knew was that the adventure had to be domestic. It was time to wipe the dust off my obsolete, single-cylinder motorcycle that had been forgotten in a friend's garage for months. I could pile it with gear and wander around the entire country. I'd take the whole summer, talk to people, learn how they were living their lives, what choices they'd made, what their own excitements and concerns were. The motorcycle would give me a continent-wide sounding board for my own confused ideas. I'm a daydreamer and I'm planning on quitting my job at the end of the year and doing a variety of exciting things. I work in the defense industry, I'm a mechanical engineer, and we have not had a recession in that industry yet. It's, it's, things are slowing down and sort of the first layoffs are creeping in. And if I'm not offered a layoff package, I may have to jump ship. I've had this job for two and a half years, as long as I've ever worked in one place. And I like to bike across the country. I like to visit a friend who moved to Australia. A bunch of off-the-wall ideas, basically. But I'm always talking about them. Eventually, I'm actually going to do something about it. Just drifting back and forth is sort of, it's how I feel like it's my natural state. And I've always also wanted to be an engineer, which is a very structured, rigid environment. And it's, it's been a conflict for me, really, since day one. I love to work half-time, but you can't find a 20-hour-a-week job in the white-collar world so easy. And so it's, it's balancing it out, you know? I've worked really hard for a couple years, and I want to take a break for a year or two. I've never felt like I need to have a big house or a nice car. I'd rather work enough to live and then go out and see the world and be in the world. Nothing super, super exciting, you know? 
but just meet some local people, eat some local food, go find a mountain and climb it, that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be an agenda, you know? You can just be. My name's Alan Baldwin. I'm a mechanical engineer, 34. Scenic South Dakota. Then I realized that the trip had to end in Tucson, the torpid desert city I fled from a decade previously. It had seemed like the end of the earth when I left. Nobody cared about Tucson. Nobody wrote about it. Nothing cool happened there. From an airplane window, it appeared to be a vast, soulless grid of strip malls that sprawled across the landscape like some gooey, tentacled creature that fell from space. As an adult, it still seemed like that. But the more time I spent elsewhere, the more I realized that those very characteristics made it home. San Francisco, Chicago, Portland, they'd all been too fast-paced, competitive, hip for me. This felt like an embarrassing admission, like a failure to live up to my own standards of coolness. But I couldn't feel rooted in those places, couldn't relax. I needed to change more than my career. I needed to break from a style of life, to redefine my priorities and actually try to make myself happy. Dirty Annie's is a, actually a convenience store with the gas station, with the full restaurant. It, it all hinges on people, you know, the personalities that we have coming and going and, and people looking for a little bit of information, a little bit of courtesy, a little bit of respect, and we try and give it to them here, whether they're local people or, or if they're uh, just traveling. And it's important. I think views change every day. Sometimes you'll find that uh, when people come in here from out of state, they're standoffish and not sure what's going on. And if they get to spend a couple days here in Shell, Wyoming, they'll let their guard down a little bit and find out that they can get back to the basics where they don't have to lock their cars up and they don't have to run around like 90 miles an hour. Because I've been there. I worked on the West Coast in an office and stuff. And see you, Mike. And, you know, I don't have to put up with the stress and everything else. If I want to be stressed, I can do it myself. You know, you just take one day at a time. If you don't get it done today, there's tomorrow. When I was in an office, I had two phones, a cell phone, a radio, and I had 20, 25 men always calling me, looking for things and stuff. I don't have that anymore. And life is just, just good. Well, I'm Jim McLaughlin, the owner of Dirty Annie's Country Store in Shell, Wyoming, and I'm 62 years old. I got in touch with old friends and reached out to friends of friends, family of friends, anyone who had a sofa and seemed cool. I was trawling for places to stay, for interesting people to meet, and the response was overwhelming. Gradually, with each chirp of my email program, a constellation of couches began glowing on my map of America. An idea was beginning to emerge, too. I should bring along my radio gear and make the trip a project. It would be a long, solo journey between those houses. Even with an amazing network of friends, most of my time would be spent riding and camping alone. While I was excited for reflection time, I was equally enthusiastic about meeting new people. A radio project could tie a lot of elements together. So in mid-May 2009, I quit my job, threw a final dinner party, packed the motorcycle, and left San Francisco. It felt that abrupt, and the next I knew, I was riding Highway 1 southbound, winding and picturesque, the perfect first stretch for a road trip. 
Bright yellow sun one moment, gray skies the next. To the left, clouds of fog clinging to the tops of steep green hills like tattered banners flapping on the crumbled turrets of an old castle. To the right, slate-colored cliffs cascading into a Pacific Ocean that shimmers platinum in the strange light. I hope to relax and feel work and city life sliding away from me, but the departure isn't real yet. Nothing has set in. I like to meet new people, different cultures. I think that there's a lot of a, a lot of better things out there than America. I like to see what else the world has to offer, so I think there actually might be a little bit better life out there than what we've been taught growing up. I don't know, I guess you just really can't be afraid to go out and do something new. You know, you gotta get out of your comfort zone a little bit. To me, that's half the fun is going into something I have no idea what, what I'm gonna be going into. You get to see a lot of places I'd never see if I wasn't in the military, so it's kind of a good reason to stay in. I think I'm gonna have to go solo a lot. I think I'm gonna have to get away from uh, the cruise a little bit and kind of be, do my own thing. That is gonna be hard because we do have to stick to a certain type of structure when we travel and you know, I can't get it maybe as crazy as I'd like to, but just keeping an open mind with my travels and taking everything in that I can. Kind of analyzing it afterwards. When some things don't go right, you kind of really panic a little bit, thinking that your whole world's coming down if you're kind of open-minded to everything. It's like, oh, that didn't work out, I'll just go on to something else. My name's Mitch, I'm 24, and I'm a aircraft mechanic. We're in McGuire Air Force Base, New Jersey. My new life. My new life, I uh, went through treatment and uh, now I'm living clean and sober. Uh, after 23 years of addiction, uh, it's, a, it's a huge change. It's a complete, uh, it's freedom. It's exciting. Every day is a, a new adventure. I don't, uh, I don't have the guilt, I don't have the shame that, that I had before. I don't have to worry about looking over my shoulder. And you hit that certain point in your life where you just, you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Just decided, well, you know what, it's time. So did what I had to do and, and uh, uh, right now I, I kind of live day to day. I don't plan too far in, in advance and it keeps all the, all the crap out of my life. I was scared to do it to begin with but after I took that first initial step and said hey I need help it was amazing the doors had opened up for me. It's made me appreciate the fact that people are basically good. You know everybody's different and it takes all types to make the world go around and, and you, you accept that. And uh, I get up in the morning and I thank God for my, my new life and I, I just I go out and I enjoy myself. You'd be surprised how much better your life can be. My name is Jasper Pagel. I'm 41 years old and I'm a tow truck operator. We are in Marshall, Minnesota. Down through Santa Monica, staying with old friends trying to make it in the pop culture meat grinder. Everyone has ideas, they complain, but nobody collaborates to get anything done. Lane splitting between cars on the freeway, I breathe the toxic air and gaze out at the endless, centerless mess of the Los Angeles exurbs. Riding east, the megalopolis hounds me, bounding clear into the rain shadow, 100 miles from the ocean, the Mojave Desert. The bike is running hotter than it ever has before. Throwing down my tent next to the reeking irrigation disaster known as the Salton Sea, I discover that some of the hair on my ankles has been singed off. The next morning, while taking sunrise pictures, I find a bulldozer from the 50s resting in a few feet of stagnant water. It's brined in such a thick layer of salt that it appears bone white, its harsh steel edges mellowed to a soft, saline bevel. The machine looks like it was dipped in a gigantic pot of cheese fondue and then dropped in the lake, a bizarre monument to a suburb that never made it. 
Arcing toward Utah, I evade the chaos of Las Vegas, instead skirting the north side of Lake Mead, Planet of the Apes country now. Visions of Charlton Heston giving me a toothy grin from the side of the road make me debate the merits of becoming a post-apocalyptic freedom fighter. I'll have to look for that job posting on Craigslist when I finish the trip. It's sweltering in this climate. I don't mind, but the engine does. Somewhere on I-15, climbing up a grade with my throttle wide open, the bike chokes, shudders, and surges. The feeling is weirdly organic and deeply sickening. I imagine what it must be like to have a horse die under the saddle. The needle on my temperature gauge is pushed well past the red mark. Not good. I ease the convulsing machine off the highway, gently coasting it behind a gas station to let it cool down. Stomach twisted into a Gordian knot, I sit down on a hot curb, get out my service manual, and wonder if I'm screwed after less than a thousand miles. I'm a Christian, and uh, the Lord says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Return not evil for evil, I will repay. Well, people down the street had a market. They had 90% of the business on the, on the beach. So I'm s struggling trying to build the business, and uh, they're opening at 10 o'clock. Well, they find out I'm opening at 8. Greed being the way it is, they opened at 8 to try and get the little bit of business that I was getting. Well, things have been kind of closing in on me the last month. I, <clears throat> my walk-in cooler went out, cost me $3,800. I got $1,200 worth of taxes coming up, $1,100 electric bill, and it's cost me $1,200 to keep the market open. So I'm sitting at the table and I tell my woman, I said, it's going to be interesting to see what God's going to do. Well, three days later, he closed the market down there. But, you know, it had to be God that did it because the market was doing a tremendous business and uh, they closed down. So now I'm the only game in town. I'm actually able to make a profit. That's kind of exciting, especially when you know that God did it. You know, the God that created the universe and he's concerned about me. That, that is pretty humbling and I'm praising the Lord. <laughs> Charles. Luther, 81 years old. I've lived at North Shore for almost 30 years, so that's what brought me to Southern California. Um, I am concerned about failure, breaking down and just giving up on everything around me. I'm worried about meeting the right people and the wrong people. Basically, others' actions impact the way I try and control my life. Some people close to me have hurt me so deeply that I haven't been able to open up and do what I really want to do, and that holds me back from everything that is waiting for me. I tend to be a realist and look at like the bad things first, which I really don't like about myself, but I try and be as optimistic as possible. I, I think that I'm my worst judge, and I think that others judge me like that, but I'm sure they don't. I mean, really, failure is just, like, something that other people label, you know, like, just by the successes that they've had. Something that is a failure to them could be the biggest success to me. So, I mean, really, if I, I guess if I just stopped paying attention to what other people thought about me, I might do better in life. My name is Megan. I am 18 years old and I'm a servant for Jesus right now. 
Baldwin City, Kansas. The biggest concern, I guess, is squandering everything that has been invested in me from education, parents, like caring, loving, all those meals. And like, if I can't make anything of that by the time I'm on my 30s, then has it all been a waste? And like, how will that make me feel? And uh, I think it has to do with my immigrant upbringing. And uh, like, I just realized that the last time I was at home that my father like was about 10 years old when the Korean War started. <laughs> I guess I've never had a real I clear idea of my father's poverty but he was like dirt, dirt poor, I think, to the point of like not having shelter. And uh, it's just such a huge leap from where he started and where he ended up. And I guess, you know, that's something that passes down where like we all feel like we need to evolve as much as my father did. I want to do good by the family and I don't know, my, their opinions like matter to me. And I don't know, we probably all like, you know, put pressures on ourselves that are like a lot heavier than they should be. But at the same time, they're motivating too. Like, if I'm afraid of being a failure, it motivates me a lot harder than if I'm like, well, everybody loves me anyway. Do you know what I mean? So part of me actually like accepts that fear and like invites it in. Uh, my name is Chris Hong. I'm 30 years old. I guess I'm a freelance copywriter and uh, aspiring film director. We are in Chicago, Illinois. The service manual is gloomy and suggests engine damage. Head gasket, valve seals, piston rings, who knows? There's no way to find out without pulling the top off, which I'm neither competent nor willing to do. I can call a tow truck or push the starter. I push the starter. The bike coughs back to life, and I ride it gently northeast to Kanab, Utah, black thunderheads closing in behind me, looming over the tall, rusty mesas and sage plateaus. A friend is getting married the next day, which, like other weddings I've attended, promises to leave me feeling simultaneously old and young. We're becoming adults. Or we're already adults. I don't feel like an adult. Never felt like one in the bubble of Chicago or San Francisco. Big cities prolong youth culture for extra decades, which can be exciting, pathetic, or a mix of both. Here in Kanab, I feel as if I'm watching people board a train I've made every effort to miss. I'm the guy with no home, no career, no relationship. Thunder explodes overhead, and it rains all day. A brief cameo from the sun, allowing the ceremony to happen outside. The context of the wedding makes me juxtapose my choices to those of my friends. I leave new cities before they feel like home. I've been systematically wary of getting pigeonholed into a career. Relationships make me claustrophobic. I don't have very much time on this planet and I would like to see as much of it and experience as much of it as possible. A lot of it is um, me just wanting to roam around and either avoid <laughs> finding a, a settled life or as a result of wandering around figure out what kind of settled life I would like to lead. I really don't like hippies but uh, I do agree with part of their, uh, their ethos about uh, wanting to avoid the same lives that their parents lived and their parents lived. And I just don't really respond positively to the idea of having my life being dictated by not so much a family, but sedentary responsibilities, I suppose. Um, I don't care too much for material things. Um, and I think that my life would be much more focused in that direction if I were to settle down and <laughs> take on real responsibility. I don't know, I, 
I, I look at people that I've known my whole life and um, I, I look at their lives and I don't see anything negative for them, but I can, I believe, honestly tell myself that that is not something that I would want to partake in. My name is James Ford Hell. I am 25 years old and uh, I am currently unemployed. My base of operations is Tucson, Arizona. I met this guy over here on the island back in 86 and um, we were engaged to be married in the fall. It's um, very special to me because we parted sorrowfully, but I kept in contact, wanted to be his friend. We've been corresponding over the 20 years, so until he figured out what he wanted to do with himself, you know. And, but we're back together and I'm very excited about that and that's what makes my whole year this year so fantastic. It's because it's somebody that I've always been wanting to be with and I waited a long time to be with him. My aunt over here, I believe her, he'll be back. That's what she kept telling me. Just wait, he'll be back. Have patience, you know. So I did, just waited. And sure enough, he, he was thinking the same thing. It was just like unreal. And we've been back together ever since, 07. May of 07, we've been together. It was when he was over there in Mackinac City with uh, Harley Davidson uh, rally. And he, he invited me over there to have dinner and that, like we always did, got together and had dinner and that, and just as friends. And then I said, well, I had my little bag packed. I said, I'm not, I'm not leaving here without this man. And I, and I got to see his motorcycle and all that. And he goes, and I have a special seat for you. So he said, we got to get back together. It was so romantic. He's such a sweet man. He is. He's 57 years old. That's Never been married. Waited all this time for me. This is our special year. And he, he thinks that way too. Um, Deborah Andrus, I'm 53 years old next month. <laughs> and I'm a senior clerk here at Riba Bike Rental. We are at Mackin Island, Michigan. That was Two Wheels to Nowhere by Angus Anderson, the first part of a seven part series. Continue the story at angusanderson.com. That's A-E-N-G-U-S-A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N dot com.